Welcome into the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi. Can your internet do that? Well, welcome in. It's week nine. Got another great podcast for you. The Texans head to Miami, and we've sort of got this Miami theme going on uh, for this week's podcast because, of course, we'll do enemy sidelines. I'll catch up with ESPN beat reporter Marcel-Louis Jacques, and we'll talk about the Dolphins and what the state of their team is following the trade deadline that passed this week. And then we've got tight end Brevin Jordan, who grew up in Las Vegas but went to school at Miami where he played uh, three years. He was a three-year starter. He caught his first touchdown as a Texan last Sunday against the Rams. He is really coming into his own. We've seen him inactive for the first seven games or so, and, and then he comes out in his first start and catches a touchdown. So I had a chance to catch up with him. He's actually the youngest player on the roster. And if you're not sure how young someone born in 2000 is, you will find out because we play a fun little game, which really, really will make most of you feel old, especially if you're born, well, before 2000. Anyway, that's all coming up on the podcast. But first, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston, stream Texans games on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network, and count on a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? Well, let's get right into the deep slant interview one-on-one for the week. Tight end Brevin Jordan, he caught his first touchdown, three passes for 41 receiving yards with Davis Mills. He'll get a chance to do that on Sunday when Tyrod Taylor starts for the Texans. He has not been out there since week two. So while he's probably caught passes from Tyrod in training camp or practice, I know he did during training camp because Brevin was getting um, – he was getting a lot of um, a lot of the throws his way from, from both – all three quarterbacks, really – So it'll be his first game with Tyrod Taylor. So that'll be really fun to watch to see how the offense really opens up with Taylor and how things change for Brevin Jordan um, if he can build on his performance last week against the Rams. So we got into all of it. We got into his history. We got into how he got to where he is today. Um, The youngest player on the roster and Houston Texans tight end. Here he is, Brevin Jordan, on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Welcome to the NFL. You caught your first touchdown on Sunday. Congrats. How has the season been for you so far? It's been good. It's been a learning curve. You know, I'm I'm under guys like Jordan Akins and Anthony Alclair and Farrell Brown, even guys like Quiz, man. I mean, the room I'm in, they're, they're leaders. They're true pros. So being able to learn under those guys, I mean, Akins is 29. I'm only 21 years old. So to get a different a more grown aspect on how to be a pro has, has been really helpful. I love that you said you almost threw up after you scored <laughs> the first touchdown. Yeah. You didn't, though. I didn't. Which, I kept it strong. Oh, that's great. That's, yeah. That would have been interesting. Very. Um, any other big moments in your life that have induced that sort of uh, reaction from you? Have you ever yeah, felt that actually, way before? Yeah, so the first game my sophomore season in college against Florida. So I scored, and they we brought out the touchdown rings. That was the first year we brought out the touchdown rings. and I stood up and legit had the same feeling, but I – Kept it strong, <laughs> kept the player, had to keep it moving. That's pretty good. Yes, I ma'am. think, um, yeah, you don't want that on the highlight reel. Not at all. All right, so you were inactive for the first seven games, and then you got to, to start in, in week eight. So, you know, what is that like when you're preparing for the game all the way up to Sunday? You don't get to play. I mean, how much does that help you in your preparation, your pregame rituals, just getting ready to actually play? How much did that really set you up for when you actually did go out there and play? Oh, it helped me a lot. It, it, it had me ready to go at all times. I mean – Going into the week, every week since I since I started playing last week, I've take, taken the approach that I'm playing. So every week I'm preparing and I'm I'm studying the notes and the game plan as much as I, as if I'm playing. So being being in the locker room before the game, not suiting up, and I'm seeing how guys are moving. I'm seeing Brandon Cooks constantly doing band work, and and Pharaoh's jump roping, and just all these guys just have different rituals. And so I'm just slowly picking it all up. But then 
you know, when it was game time, I was ready to go. Did you pick up a ritual for yourself? Did you have one when you were at Miami? I did. So I got in the hot tub before the game, and I was just in there for like 20 minutes. I was starting to sweat, and I didn't want to go out there dehydrated, so I went and got an IV too, but get in the hot Somebody tub. Somebody else said they get in the hot tub. Chris Moore said he did that, and I yep. thought that would be relaxing, but I think it's it's just to get your muscles warmed so. up and loose. Right. Maybe. I'm not sure. I saw a lot of other guys do it, so I kind of just <laughs> like, I'm going to do that too. Yeah. Are you going to start jump roping or maybe no. see what? No. Yeah, no, no, that's no, not going to Brown lost me with that one. I don't know what he's doing with that one. <laughs> he's getting his steps in. Yeah. Uh, David Cauley said that you were a steal when the Texans drafted you in the fifth round, but a lot of people thought you would get drafted sooner. What was what was that like for you, just getting drafted? I mean, did you feel like you should have gone sooner? Did Woo. you have a chip on your shoulder? What was what was that whole experience like? For the you? draft process for me was very scary, to be honest with you. I was, I was, it was not a fun. I mean, the process going into it was fun, but draft day was very. It was just a lot of anxiety. Like I didn't know how to feel, how to. It was just weird. I mean, once the Houston Texans called me and Casario was on the phone and Cully was on the phone, it, it, everything just went away. I was just like, I'm a Houston Texan. I'm gonna show everybody what's up. Did you want to throw up then? No, <laughs> I didn't. I, as soon as they called me, I started crying. I just burst it out into tears. Oh, that's yeah, nice. It was very, it was unbelievable. So you weren't disappointed that it was the fifth round. Like you not weren't. At all. You had no expectations. Yeah, not at all. You were a three-year starter at Miami. You said you worked your way into the lineup as a freshman, so you got to start games. You you chose Miami over a number of different schools. Right. I saw that you chose Miami over Florida, Florida State, Georgia. What made you want to choose Miami over some of the other schools? So it was honestly, I had a very like easy recruiting process. So my top three schools was Miami, Michigan, and UCLA. So I visited UCLA, and it was just too much like home to me. It was, you know, I'm from Las Vegas, so it's a 30-minute flight, 45-minute oh, flight. Oh, okay. So it was just too much like home. And then Michigan, it was just, I'm from Las Vegas, so it was cold out there. Like, it's too I different. Wear, too different. <laughs> I had to wear snow boots and a snow jacket yes, when I went out there. Yes. And then I went to Miami, and. You know, at the time they were number two in the country. They were very big on the tight end tradition, and at the time they were ten and zero. So I was just like, "Oh, this is awesome!" And the beach and the palm trees—it was just well, beautiful. yeah, that's that's going to be a nice sell. Well, right. Did you ever consider going to school in Texas? No, not no. at all. No, I, I mean, I'm not a country guy. I'm like from Las Vegas. You're I'm from like, the city. I'm from a huge city, so I was I was like, I need to go. I mean, Houston's pretty big. Are, were you surprised that you? Are now living you, in Houston? Yeah. To be honest with you, I thought when I first got drafted to Houston, I thought it was like a lot of like cows and you know farms and stuff but then when i came out here and i heard it's like top three most diverse cities in america and just the food out there out here is beautiful i love yeah it. yeah it's, yeah people people when houston wins people over really oh, really quick quickly. they won me over very quick, really quick very quick you, you said you wanted to go to miami because it was tight in you but you're really good as a pass catcher so why did you not ever play wide receiver why are you a tight end um i give a lot of thanks to that to my freshman football coach Rob Bergman uh he moved me to tight end so I actually wanted as a to play. in high school yes in okay. high school as a freshman I wanted to play receiver but at the time I was you know I was a 6'3 200 pound kid I was just freshman football I was wait and as a freshman you were 200 yeah, pounds yeah oh, I was a okay. big little kid but I mean <laughs> big I was just kid. bigger than everybody so he just moved me to tight end and I stuck with it and I actually really fell in love with the position okay so you never had the desire to just be a receiver nah, and just catch nah all right, you, you mentioned high school. You went to high school in Nevada. Bishop Gorman, uh, which is like a powerhouse when right. it comes to football. Right. I think you were part of the ninth straight state so, title. I, honestly, I couldn't even tell you. It okay. Was like that. What was that like going to a high school that was just – I mean, did you guys have scouts out there every single week oh, watching every, your game? Oh, we had scouts out there every day almost. I mean, the reason we were so good in high school, like obviously we have the nice facilities and you know we're, we're considered a powerhouse, but I think it was the camaraderie that the guys in that – locker room. I'm still best friends with a lot of those guys. I mean, Tay Martell, Bubba Bolden, Biagio Ali Walsh. I'm friends with all of those guys. So it was, it was really how close we are, how close we were as friends. And then I learned from what I learned in high school, I took it to college with me and just about 
you know, being close. Because when you hang out off the field, the connection is so much tighter on the field. All right. And there were some famous alumni that went there as well. I looked it up because I was like, this high school sounds right. so familiar. DeMarco Murray. Yep. Ronnie Stanley. Have yep. you ever met any famous alumni that went to your high school? Have you ever I mean, been in touch you, with them? Would you consider Cardell Broadus famous? Sure. Snoop sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cordell. I mean, who else? Gorman is a powerhouse, though. So, I mean, a lot of people who are considered, I guess, famous. like. But they've gone, they've gone on to have professional careers. Right, right. So, they may not be like right. a DeMarco Murray. But, right. yeah, they've got names in the NFL and they've right. had careers in the NFL. All right, your dad was drafted by the Falcons, and yes, I know ma'am. you talked about this after uh, the Texans drafted you as well. Ninth round of the 1990 draft, yep. but he never played because right. he, he suffered a shoulder injury in, yeah. in training camp yeah. or preseason. Yeah, that's Pops, man. Shout out my Pops. He actually he passed away my senior year of high school. You know, Shout out my dog, Daryl Jordan. You already know. But, um, yeah, man, he was. He, that's where I think we got the love of football from because, I mean, yeah. he, had a, he has a huge book, like a collection of, like, old newspaper stuff from when he got drafted. And, you know, setting records in high school. So, I mean, we could, me and my two brothers, we got a hold of that book, and it was over with. We were like, we're playing football. What position did your dad play? He played linebacker and tight end, actually, but he mainly linebacker. Linebacker and tight end? Yes, ma'am. I read somewhere that when you were five, your mom put you in football, and she wanted them to play you on defense. <laughs> that Was that because of your <laughs> That's dad? Actually, That's, I, I, no, I don't think it was because of my dad. I think it was because I was only five years old, and I was playing up with my older brother. He was eight, so I was just looking like a little – little child out there like i was just smaller <laughs> than everybody so my mom was like don't put the ball in his hands or I'm <laughs> he's gonna game. get drilled yeah beverly jordan does not play about the stuff like that okay so um you you mentioned being only 21 years old you are officially the youngest player on this roster wow. i don't know if you know that wow. july 16th 2000 danny amendola is the oldest he's 15 years older than you <laughs> um, i've been watching danny amendola since i was like <laughs> nine years old i told him that first did day you tell him that building. first day i met him i told him i was like bro i've been watching you since i was like nine years old did he take that as a compliment? He or was, was like, he... bro, don't make me feel old. Yeah. Everybody says the same thing. I told David Johnson and Brandon Cooks the same thing. <laughs> You've been watching that. Well, I mean, you probably could have watched both of these kids, like right. most, most of these players when you were a kid because Literally, like, you are so young. 9, 10, 11 years old. I was watching all these guys. Okay, so you were the youngest player. Is there another player in the locker room that you think is really like the youngest at heart? Like, let's take age out of it. I would honestly say Farrell Brown and Jordan Aikens. Truthfully, I mean, it's not even. I'm not even trying to be like. I could see. I mean, uh, Jordan's kind of quiet. I could see Pharaoh. Right, Jordan's he's, quiet, but he's not quiet with. With the tight ends. He's he is a goofball. Okay. The dude is a hilarious. He's hilarious, and same with Pharaoh. Pharaoh's personality is so big. Like I think yeah. Pharaoh's 27, 28 years old. Yeah. But the dude's really like 17 years old. <laughs> he loves to mess with me. Always doing something to me. I'm like, all right, dude. But. Okay. Well, on the flip side, who's got the old soul? Who's like the old grandpa in the locker room? Um, old soul in the locker room? Davis Mills, probably. The, yeah. Oh, okay. My guy Davis. Davis is just like, I don't know. I always tell Davis, like, do you get mad? Like, I ask, like, <laughs> are you? Like, he just, he's always so cool, so calm. Like, when he makes a mistake about anything, you know, he just he looks at what the mistake was and he just keeps it pushing. Davis is just so relaxed, though. He doesn't let anything, you know, make him fold under pressure. Okay. I like that. All right, so I have been told that since you were born in 2000, you're not going to know what these pictures are. I think that you're going to know them. <laughs> All right, let me see them. So I'm going to I'm going to show you these pictures. All right. Seriously? Is that a is that what is uh, that's the um the little game, the little ah, hold on, I know what it is. It's the I'm, case. Isn't that a case for like one of the little games? <laughs> it's a floppy disk. Uh, these are floppy disks. You don't know what these are? No, I sadly oh don't. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay, hang on. What is this? That's a tape recorder. Oh, <laughs> is a, am I wrong? It's a pager. What? It's a pager. Yeah. Do you know what a pager is? Before people carried cell phones, they would have to. 
send you your their number and then you'd get to a payphone and call them back. Yeah, that's not my business. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah. I, man, I, I gave you a lot of credit. All right, who are these guys? Wait, wait. I was gonna say the Backstreet Boys, but Justin Timberlake wasn't in the Backstreet no, Boys. No, he wasn't. No, that's good. That's good that you know that. Well, I know the name. Okay. Um, I feel like you know this one. Wait, can you tell me the first N- letter? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> in too deep. No. Sync. No. In sync. You knew that. You know, if you knew Backstreet Boys, I feel like you would have known that one. All right, one more. You talk to me. I feel like this kind of gives it away. It's written on here. Is that a? Is that like a? What, what, what? Oh, you don't know. I have no clue. Okay, what it so is. it a- looks like an Albertsons commercial or it, something. Oh, it's not Albertsons. AOL, America Online. That's how people used to get on the internet with dial-up. Your phone, your computer would dial I- this number, and this is how we got on the internet. It was the AOL login screen. Look, it says it's the little guy running, the little cartoon guy, and he says you're connected. Yeah, all I know is Google. Yeah. So far, yeah, I don't know nothing about none of that. Oh my! Sorry. Well, I'm glad we played this with you. You really are young. I think that just really proves how young you are. I, f- I thought I these were not. obvious that you would know all these. Oh. Okay. All right. I need to be better. I need to do better. All right, man. Brevin Jordan. That's all right. I mean, don't apologize for being young. All right. What's it going to be like for you come this weekend when you get to go back to Miami and play as a rookie in the oh, NFL? I'm excited. How I'm cool excited. is that going to be to be in the same stadium that you played in? I'm in very college? excited. I'm going to go, you know, to Hard Rock Stadium. I'm going to just take a deep breath and I'm going to look in the sky. And I'm just going to remind myself, you know, how grateful I am because my University of Miami is where it started for me. It's where, you know, I learned how to, you know, control my emotions on the field. It's where I learned how to, you know, be a pro, treat myself better, just everything. So I'm just going to go up there and just be grateful, just thankful for the opportunity. Well, we are grateful to have you and looking forward to seeing another touchdown. And you know what? I feel like you'll have the nerves behind you. You won't even want to throw up the second Oh, time. yeah, definitely Maybe it'll not. be less. I'll be ready. No, Maybe I'll be, be ready. Less. This time around, I'll be ready. <laughs> and you know what? Deal. You don't need AOL anywhere, so you're already, you're already winning. All right, Brevin Jordan, thanks so much for the time. Thank you for having me. So I know that pictures don't necessarily translate to podcasts or radio, but I hope you got the gist of how much difference there is with someone born in 2000, even the 90s. I mean, I was not born in the 90s or 2000. So I I guess I had no clue. I just really thought Brevin would know all those pictures and it was really going to be too easy. But I was, I was quite entertained and surprised that he did not know what the AOL uh, screen login looked like. We had to actually explain to him what AOL was after the interview. Um, he asked me if it was an app. So I had to explain to him that before apps, this is how one got on the internet. It was di- a dial-up connection where your phone line was in use and someone could not pick up the phone and make a phone call because someone else would be on the internet. And that like blew his mind. He he didn't understand how you did things without apps. So just let that sink in for a moment. Um, but it was, it was really funny nonetheless. All right. So he's going to be out there for Miami uh, where he played three years in college, the same field. It's going to be a really cool experience for him. So the Texans and the Dolphins both sitting at one and eight about to face each other for Sunday's game looking to get their second one of the season neither team has won since week one and this week was also the trade deadline a very interesting week extra interesting you could say for the Dolphins team because Tua Tungavailoa is their quarterback but there's been a lot of question of whether he's the quarterback of the future or if he was going to be traded somewhere else or if Deshaun Watson was going to get traded to Miami so now that the trade deadline has passed Tua is the starting quarterback we find out where where things really stand for him and the Dolphins moving forward, what the Dolphins need to do to turn their season around if they can at this point, and what's been the big difference from 2020 to 2021. The Texans have had a lot of turnover. The Dolphins really haven't had that much turnover. They've got the same coaching staff. This was a really 
pretty good defense in 2020, and it's really underperformed this year as well. And and they've got uh, a rookie wide receiver who was a Houston native, went to high school here, Episcopal High School, just out in Bel Air. So uh, they've got a lot of different things going on with this squad. We got into all of it with Marcel Louis Jacques. He is the beat reporter for ESPN. He covers the Dolphins, used to cover the Bills. I had a chance to sit down with him and ask him all about these Dolphins. Marcel, so glad to have you on this week. It's been a crazy week. The NFL deadline has come and gone, and I think these are the two teams that are kind of relieved it's over, even though the outcome may not be what everybody wanted. So I know the GM there for the Dolphins spoke today. What can you tell us about the trade from that side of the building? Yeah, Greer did not directly mention Deshaun Watson's name. I'm not sure if he's allowed to or not, but he was directly asked about the possibility of trading for Watson. And he said that, I mean, anytime a player who's considered one of the top at his position is available, that they're going to go for it. They're going to try to do their due diligence. They're going to do their homework on it. But that ultimately they decided as an organization that this is not something that they wanted to pursue at this time. Uh, He did say that they're going to finish out the rest of the season and then they'll evaluate the roster come this offseason. And so the way that I took it, the way that we took it in this room is that the door is not closed yet. I, I think that we are basically in an intermission of what's been a really, really long and drawn out movie or play, whatever drama that we want to call this. And I think it's going to restart once again as soon as this season is over. Yeah. And, you know, I think the big question is for quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, where does that leave his status with the Dolphins and his future um, now that there was a lot of talk about a potential trade and now there isn't one? So where does that leave him now for the rest of the season? And beyond, you know, you know, Chris Greer thought that this is not an indictment on Tua. That this is just a special scenario in which, again, one of the top players at his position became available. I don't know if that means they don't think Tua can become one of the top players at his position, but these next nine games are going to go a long way toward really trying to establish his ceiling. He's had kind of an unorthodox start to his career. He's coming back from that, uh, from from the fractured hip as a rookie coming back from fractured ribs this year. He's dealt with being benched in the fourth quarter for Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. And then the Deshaun stuff all this year. So it's really been just kind of a unfair start to his career. But as he told us, I mean, life isn't fair. So he's, I think he's ready to move on. He's ready to put a hundred percent of his focus into this team and into finishing as strong as they can. And I think the Dolphins will legitimately evaluate where they are come season's end. Yeah, and with Tua missing the, the the games with the rib injury, and now that he's back, what can you tell us about how he looks since he's returned, and and how much of his performance this year could be placed on the quarterback shoulders as opposed to other factors that go on uh, with the offense, O line, etc. Well, he he wasn't great per se against against Buffalo. Um, he did put them in position. I don't know if I want to say position to win, but he put them in a decent position to complete a comeback at the end of the game. Uh, before ultimately he threw a pretty tough interception kind of with his back against the wall. But those two games before that were the two best statistical games of his career, completing 75% of his passes. He had a six touchdown to three interception ratio. I, I, I thought he was playing great football. And, uh, you know, it, it it does kind of bring the question about that. Okay, here he is playing the best football of his career, and they still were not able to beat the Jaguars or the Falcons. But that's not solely on his shoulders. This is also a defense that's ranked, you know, ranks in the bottom, we'll call it bottom fourth in the league in yards allowed per game, in scoring, in third down defense, in red zone defense. I mean, there's not really a lot that they're doing well on that side of the ball. 
And that's a massive concern because that was supposed to be this team's strength entering the season. So it's not just the quarterback issue. And that was really kind of the debate surrounding a, a possible trade for Deshaun Watson was does even a guy like that elevate this team into something that it's not because he played the best football of his career last season and the Texans were still four and 12. So I, I, I think that, uh, you know, Tua de- deserves his share of the blame for sure. He's thrown some pretty backbreaking interceptions over the past three weeks. He's still, you know, maybe not being as aggressive as he can at times or being too aggressive at times. So he's still figuring out that balance, but he has not been the most prevalent issue on this team. That is still their struggles on the defensive side of the ball and their struggles in pass blocking. I mean, they are, according to our, our pass block win rate, they're the worst pass blocking team in the NFL and they are not blitzed very often. So it, it's kind of a, there's a lot of things that I think they could use those picks to, to improve this team. And I think that Tua could be the guy who, who takes them to the next level once the pieces around him are settled. All right, lots to unpack there, but let, let's just talk about the record for a second. One and seven, much like the Texans, they've lost seven in a row. But last year after finishing 10 and six and, and narrowly missing the playoffs, a lot of people thought that the Dolphins were big contenders over there in the AFC East. So, you know, with Brian Flores building his team, it looked like things were headed in the right direction. After the start the team has had this year, uh, what's the reaction in Miami and around the building with the one and seven start and, and, and where the Dolphins season is headed so far this year? Well, if you ask players, I mean, most notably Mike Gusecki, he takes the stand right behind me every week and he tells us we are we are that close. We are almost there. We're right there. And to their credit, uh, I, I mean, the Bills game was ended up being a multiple score loss, but Falcons loss was a last possession game. The Jaguars loss was a last possession game. The Raiders early in the year last possession game and when you look at some of these one score losses that they've had you can really boil it down to okay they they either turn the ball over in the red zone or they weren't efficient at the end of the game they turned it on too late like they, they're full of it's not like they're you know they just got their butt kicked for four quarters and every single week so i i do think that they they think the pieces are there and that it just is going to take as brian told us today it's just going to take finding the right formula. The way they tell us, the way they talk to us, this team still believes in its coach. This coaching staff still believes in in its players. And, uh, you know, they do have a lot of games moving ahead here to try to kind of figure it out. You know, I don't want to go out and say, you know, they've got a bunch of get right opponents here because at one in seven, uh, there's no such thing as a get right opponent. You are the get right opponent, but they do have, they have the Texans coming up. They've got two games against the Jets. They have a game against the Giants, against the Panthers as well. Like there are a lot of opportunities to right the ship coming up and really in situations like this, all it takes is one win to to get that mindset turned around. And I think that's what they're obviously looking for this weekend. All right. Well, the receiving core there has been banged up a bit. And a lot of Texans fans know all too well with Will Fuller um, how that goes. And it looks like, you know, the injury bug has, has bit him again. And as well as Devontae Parker missing some time. But the one bright spot for the receivers, Houston native Jalen Waddle leads this team with touchdowns. He's got three touchdowns. He leads them also in catches. Uh, what about his rookie campaign? Are you know, are you surprised at his ability to really step in as a rookie and and step in for some guys who have got some big names and, and done some things in their past? And and what do you like so far about the rookie wide receiver? Yeah, I don't know if if his um, success has come as a surprise. You no, know, they traded up to to six to go grab him, and you don't do that unless you think a guy can be an instant impact type of player for you. He's undoubtedly been Miami's most reliable receiver, if for no other reason, and he's played every game. He's, he's been durable enough, and, and that's something this core has struggled with 
Uh, I am a little surprised at his usage, however, not not the the target share, not the receptions, but the average yards per target and then the depth per target. Uh, they're turning him into kind of a you know three, four, five yard at a time receiver. I, I think he had uh, you know maybe 29, 30 yards last game. He he's had a game this year where you know 12 catches for 58 yards. That that's not that's not what I was expecting. I thought they would be able to stretch the field a little bit more with him and. Uh, you know, really start to see that yards after catch uh, numbers start to grow and grow and grow by the week. But I don't think that's all his fault. I think uh, a lot of that is the situation. Will Fuller, as you said, hasn't been healthy majority of the season. Devontae Parker hasn't been healthy a lot of the season. They're really relying on those three guys on the field at the same time to throw that kind of versatile look at defenses. So, you know, until that happens, it's going to be tough to really judge his, his rookie season, you know, compared to what we thought it was going to be. But uh, I, I think, once again, he has been the most reliable receiver in this offense, and he's clearly going to be a big part of the game plan moving forward, whether it's near the line of scrimmage or hopefully eventually downfield. Yeah, another reliable target and very consistent tight end, Mike Gesicki. You mentioned him a little bit earlier. You know, with the the injuries at wide receiver, do you see the Dolphins incorporating him a little bit more in the offense? What are your thoughts on that? He's got 475 yards receiving, so when he is out there, he is so productive as, as a pass catcher. But do you see his role growing at all, especially with the consistency that he offers? And what makes him so tough to cover? Well, what makes him so tough to cover is he, he is such a speed mismatch and a size mismatch at the same time for for opposing linebackers and safeties. One of those, he's too quick for a linebacker to keep up with. He's too big at 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, to get bodied up by, by a safety. And uh, he's got a real eye for finding the soft spot in any zone or any defense. You saw it last week, fourth and six. Tua hits him on a 40-yard pass downfield, and that really helped extend uh, the Dolphins' hopes in that game. Obviously, they didn't win at the end of the day, but that just shows you that they are looking for him in those critical moments I don't know if his role is going to grow exponentially more than what it is right now. I know that, you know, one of Tua and one of Miami's big concerns here compared to early in the season is getting its playmakers going early on in games. And you saw it against the Bills. I think his first, Tua's first 10 passes, like five of them went to Devontae Parker, five of them went to Jalen Waddell. Those aren't numbers you'd like to hear if you maybe have Mike Kosecki in fantasy, but uh, I, I do think you could expect to see him be a part of their game plan across all four quarters, again, because of how much of a mismatch he is to opposing defenses. And it's a contract here, man. I think he wants to be involved because you want to get that biggest payday possible. And he's proven himself to be arguably their best offensive player, period, maybe even team MVP over the first eight games. All right, well, let's talk about that defense that you mentioned earlier. Xavier Howard, he made big news before the start of the season, wanting to get traded, didn't get traded. He's still on this defense. And it seemed like not a lot changed from 2020 to 2021. So, you know, what do you attribute the struggles on defense to from last year to this year? Where has been the big drop-off? And, and how do you explain the fact that it's been underperforming compared to how, where they were last year? I think that the the most uh, you know when you when you look at that defense last year they weren't really spectacular in terms of stopping their opponents from moving the ball downfield they're middle of the pack in, in, in yards passing yards rushing yards allowed per game um, they were good at you know top ten in, in points allowed per game but where they really shine were in those crucial situations like third down and, and in the red zone they were actually the the best third down defense in the NFL last season 
this year that has completely flipped. They are actually the worst team in the NFL on third down this year. So, you know, their yards per game averages have bloomed a little bit, but again, that's kind of what they did last year. But now they're not stopping teams. They're not getting off the field on third down. They led the NFL in turnovers last year. They're not taking the ball away at a high rate this year. And, you know, that's kind of an unsustainable model to build your defense around. So until they start succeeding at the points of attack and in those critical situations, it's going to be hard for them to attain the level of play that they reached last season. Because like you said, I mean, there isn't a lot different. These are all the same guys back, more or less. You add a guy like Jalen Phillips. You add guys like, uh, you know, Jason McCourty. And uh, you would think, okay, this is an improved defense. you got a defensive-minded head coach as well. Same coordinator for for back-to-back years. So uh, I think it's really just kind of focused around, like I said, those the critical scenarios, the third down, the red zone, and then taking the ball away that they really need to improve or else, you know, the wheels are going to continue to fall off. All right, Marcel, I know it's a, a big week for both these teams as they try to get their season turnaround, but what are some of the stories that you're working on? Yeah, well, I'm actually, I've got a big picture story on the past five, six drafts that the Dolphins have put together. See, you know, how these players ha- have panned out. It was obviously a major storyline. They're like the Sixers of the NFL as in terms of acquiring draft picks. The Sixers, you know, haven't made it all the way work yet, but they've reached the Eastern Conference Finals. The Dolphins have not been quite as successful doing that tank model. So I want to kind of evaluate what went wrong. I uh, want to evaluate where this team's direction is now that Tua Tungo-Bailoa is actually the quarterback. And we can actually believe what we're being told instead of whatever smoke screens are being thrown out. So, uh, you know, looking forward to that. And, and then just looking forward to getting into some Houston uh, actual film study. It feels like, uh, you know, we haven't been able to focus just on the football for the past couple of weeks. And I know you guys down there are, are probably in somewhat of the same boat. So it'll be nice to just get on that tape and see what we're expecting on Sunday. I had a couple guys, Jerome Baker, Christian Wilkins. The first thing they thought of when asked about this Houston offense is the team speed, especially in that backfield. So looking forward to seeing that pop on tape and seeing if the Dolphins have the kind of horses to cover them. All right. Well, looking forward to it, Marcel. Appreciate the time. Glad the trade deadline's behind us. We can focus on football again. Appreciate it as always. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right. Looking forward to the matchup. It is noon on Sunday. Remember to fall back. I never forget to fall back. I love that extra hour of sleep. Sunday at noon at Hard Rock Stadium, uh, the Dolphins and the Texans will face off in week nine. And then it's a bye week for the Texans. So it'd be really, really nice to get a win and then just sort of head into the bye week on a positive note and come out of the bye week on a positive note, rested and healthy. So we'll we'll have to see what happens on Sunday. But you know what? I've got the pregame show along with Drew Doherty. It's on Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon. Be sure to check that out. Download the Houston Texans mobile app. We'll have the top stories and actives, starting lineup. Sometimes we have arrival photos, which was really a lot of fun on Halloween. So uh, be sure to check it out. It's um it's takes up most of our department to put that to put that pregame show together. And we're pretty proud of it. So check it out and uh, we'll show you Tyrod Taylor roaming up on the field. So if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know. I don't know what else will. But anyway, that's going to do it for the podcast for this week. It's the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Thank you to everyone for listening. And as always, go Texans.